This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, March 24th, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Serretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Staff Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? I gotta be honest with you, Ryan, right before we were about to record, like seconds before we were about to record, a new story broke, which uh, really devastates me. So the new story comes from The Wrap, and this is Funko Guts Mondo. So Mondo is a company that was started by the Alamo Drafthouse. They are probably most famous for, you know, kickstarting like the, the screen printed uh, movie and pop culture poster uh, craze that was going on for the last like 10 years. Um, earlier this week, Funko laid off most of the staff of mondo and uh this they basically killed the entire poster division which is you know how mondo started uh and basically in the process they're only keeping the two divisions of the company uh the toy division and the record division uh which i've been told in the past the record division is what makes the most amount of money at the company they they make so much money on Met Records. It's like the posters I mean, made like five percent of what the record division made. But the record I mean the comes, record division the record division would make sense to me that that's what you'd be making money on. But but the record comes from the poster division, right? Like people buy the records because it has that cool poster art that they commissioned for the posters. I mean, 
look, I I live in Austin. I love Mondo. I my favorite poster in my house, which is full of posters my girlfriend hates. <laughs> um is uh, I have a Jurassic Park Mondo poster that I absolutely adore. Uh, I think which Mondo one is it? Been, uh, it's the one with the T Rex head coming over uh, Ila Nublar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's great, and so uh, you know, like I, uh, yeah. I mean, that sucks. That's that's a, I, I love, Mondo does phenomenal work, and and that is just a truly truly big bummer to hear. Yeah, and I I know so many people over there that uh, that work at Mondo, and uh, it's just like you know what's going to happen. Like, I I mean, I guess there's other companies doing this, like Hero Complex and Bottleneck. Gallery. I mean, lots and lots of places are NPR just laid off ten percent of its staff. I mean, like, there's lots of places. I think what really sucks though is like Funko. Like, don't get me wrong, I have pop figures in my house or whatever, but like there was that story earlier this month where. Funko ended up just literally taking $30 million worth of excess inventory to a landfill because that was the easiest way for them to get rid of it. Um, oh, yeah, I you saw know, that. So, I saw so like, video that's a little that's a little disappointing when you hear like, you know, they have $30 million worth of excess crap. And then, like, you know, donate it to like kids charities or something. Right. Well, again, I think the problem was that, like, that this was just the most financially efficient way for them to deal with it, which was like, you know, but again, it just it just feels that feels crappy when you're laying off the staff of a company that did a lot of great work. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Big, Big disappointment there for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm disappointed for friends who work there. I, I hope they're able to find uh you know work elsewhere i mean it, mondo was the pinnacle of the screen printing uh art uh, pop culture business so i'm i'm sure many of those names will hopefully find a place at like one of these other companies or maybe they will even start their own company uh you know that, that that's happened before uh where people get laid off and then they go and start their own company so maybe mondo will rise from the ashes as as something else but uh yeah i i think we're in some uncertain times for sure layoffs are all over the places uh but i am i'm like mondo has been such a big part of my my life for the last 15 years so uh this is just so disappointing there anyways uh speaking of something that was a big part of my life that no longer exists let's talk about blockbuster and there's been something weird going on with the blockbuster website ryan tell us about it yeah so this actually happened a few days ago so we could be on the verge of some imminent weird news here but uh uh blockbuster.com is kind of reemerged and if you click on the website right now you're greeted with a very classic blockbuster blue and yellow logo and then it says uh, we are working on rewinding your movie that's all we got <laughs> um so clearly something is going on uh, for those who may not know dish actually still owns blockbuster they bought them out of bankruptcy in 2011 and kind of ushered them through you know the the end uh, more or less. There is famously one blockbuster store remaining in Bend, Oregon, but that's it. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't, there is no indication as to what this is, um, what could be happening, what's going on, but something is happening. There there was that uh, documentary on that last blockbuster, which I think is available on Netflix. And then there was also a sitcom that was set. Uh, yeah. Inspired they did, by they that. Did single season sitcom that lasted again coincident like oddly enough netflix 
there's a bit of confusion with that narrative that like Netflix killed Blockbuster because you got to remember Blockbuster filed bankruptcy in 2011 before streaming technically even. But anyway, but but Netflix definitely was the nail in the coffin for sure. But but um but yeah. The big so, thing is Blockbuster had the chance to buy Netflix. And yeah, didn't. that's the big that's the big fame narrative there that 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 uh that people like to point to is that. But but who knows? But Blockbuster was a pretty mismanaged company, and so I don't know what would have become of Netflix under under that uh, but but anyway yeah so i don't know i i speculated in the piece i wrote for us a little bit that that it, with streaming being the way that it is right now with movies and tv shows leaving streaming services left and right that maybe just maybe there could be room for a video store resurgence like on a much smaller scale um you know more as a nostalgia play than anything else i i doubt that's what they're going to do it's probably going to be something more modest but I don't know. Um, I really, I I assume we're going to find out soon, but I I have no idea what this could be. I I know in LA recently for the last couple months, I think it just closed. There was a blockbuster bar, which they licensed the name and you'd go to the, the wall and you'd uh, the cocktails were shaped like the, the DVDs and you'd go pick out a DVD and bring it up to the bartender and they'd give you the, uh, they'd make you the, the drink, which is all like, uh, you know, nostalgia, inspired right. drinks and, and, like I, and i think that's the key here right is that blockbuster has been gone just long enough for people to have some nostalgia about it yeah and, and they, uh they've been licensing that name all over the place if you go to target there's a blockbuster uh i think it's a card game or something yeah there's a board game i talk about that a little bit in the piece too that dish has done stuff with the license but you know i mean that's got to be pennies right like i mean relative to yeah. to it, it, it so I, I don't know if they're going to make a bigger play here or or, or what but i you know we'll see I, for now there's not really a lot to report but it's definitely something to keep your eye on but you, you think when you say bring the uh, the store back you think of it, like physical locations and again i okay so again this is again i i i speculate in the piece a little bit about that but cautioning that that's probably not what's going to happen yeah. but my feeling is that like there might be for people like me who would actually go to a video store. Austin, up until COVID, had a great place called uh, iHeartVideo, and it was like this gigantic video store, and you could go there and rent stuff, and on Tuesdays, they would have like a free keg of beer, and you could just go wander around the store, and so I would go do that, you know, and then rent stuff from there every once in a while, um, just because sometimes it's nice to be like, okay, I don't have to look for this on streaming. I can, it, I know what I want, and and um, you know, the experience of it all, and I yeah. think there might be a place for that now, but Again, I think it would be on a very small scale. You know, Blockbuster at its peak was like 9,000 stores. You know, I, I, you'd maybe be looking at a few select locations or something as more of like a, wow, look at this museum of the past. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm just surprised that like one of these streaming companies didn't just buy. I mean, I guess Dish did, but like Dish doesn't really need the Blockbuster name. I'm surprised like, you know, uh, I can't think of any like Apple didn't buy Blockbuster and like use that as, you know, some kind of branding for their, their, you know, movie library or something like that. Sure. Look, I don't know. And, 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 and again, but again, that, that I think the problem is Blockbuster hit its woes at a time when streaming was so nascent yeah. that it was hard for anyone to think to capitalize in that way. But you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's a weird thing. And it, and it'll probably end up being one of those things that like whatever ends up getting announced will be a little, a little bit like underwhelming, but you know, who knows? 
Okay, a lot has happened since I talked to you last Friday on this podcast. I, I know when I had you on there, you were talking about your Damon Lindelof quote about the Star Wars movie and kind of uh, how he's not sure if he wants to work in the kitchen or if you'd rather just eat, you know, eat the food. There's some kind of analogy there, something like that. Yeah, my God. Uh, I didn't realize either. I kind of thought everyone would have asked him about the movie. And apparently I was the only one that got a decent quote. That quote was my little brother called me. He's like, dude, your article's everywhere. And apparently like every incel YouTuber that hates Kathleen Kennedy has been using that oh, quote no. like crazy. But uh, but yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. And you were optimistic about that. Uh, that I was. I read the, it very wrong. Yeah. At the time. And I think uh, uh, Jeffrey Snyder actually, you know, saw the the red. He was like me. He was like reading between the lines there. And he, uh, he did some research and uh, we reported earlier this week. Uh, that, you know, David Lindelof is no longer working on the Star Wars movie, uh, that him and Justin Britt Gibson are no longer working on it, but uh, that Lucasfilm is still, you know, developing it, and they're looking for another writer, and uh, we we now know who that is going to be. It's Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight is going to be working on this untitled Star Wars movie, and we don't really know much more than that uh it, it seems like f from what we're hearing that it, uh that Lucasfilm wanted to uh drastically change uh whatever was being done again uh I think I've I said this on the Mandalorian podcast that we did but that doesn't mean that Damon Lindelof isn't going to be credited because he probably did a substantial amount of work well, on it and and as I understand it the idea for this movie originated with him yeah. So even though he's he must he's going to end up getting a story by credit or something for sure. Yeah, it all depends on, you know, how much of it is uh, kept intact. But uh, I I've never seen Peaky Blinders. Have you? I've not seen Peaky Blinders, but Stephen Knight has done a great deal of work. Um, uh, I don't think I've uh, seen anything he's done. To be no, no, no. He, well, he did Locke, which is a great movie with Tom Hardy. Um, uh, Actually, very, I did see that. Locke is a really good movie. Um, let me see. I know he did. Uh, he there's some other uh, Spencer the 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 movie about uh, Princess Diana. Um, he wrote. Uh, um, Burnt uh, is a movie I kind of like with Bradley Cooper. Uh, the uh, it was like a chef, but he's also got some weird ones in there. Like he got Seventh Son, which is that really big fantasy bomb. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, he's he's got some weird ones in there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, he's got he's got an, uh, an interesting. Re oh, he did the girl in the spider's web too. They when they tried to reboot the dragon tattoo series. I actually like that that movie quite a bit. But um, but yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's got the dude's got a resume for sure. But but I think what's interesting for me is that like, I and again, so Jeff Snyder, who kind of broke this story, he's one of the scoop guys in our industry, and he does a podcast a few times a week now, and I listen to that, and he. He suggested that um, basically the, the that um, Charmin uh, was hired to direct this and that like, you know, Lindelof and and uh, Justin Brick Gibson were not consulted on that. And that created some friction. And so it seems like Lucasfilm mm. is very committed to like we're making this movie no matter what. And this is the movie that's coming out in Christmas 2025. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's for better or for worse. It seems like they're like, this is what we're doing. Hell or high water. Yeah. The other thing, uh, we, we didn't report on this, but Jeff Snyder said that they're, 
I uh, expected to announce three different movie projects at Celebration, which I think is in like a week and a half or something. Like yeah, that. it's very soon, very soon. And and uh, and yeah, so, you know, the idea is that they're trying and also supposedly Lucasfilm is only going to focus on Star Wars now. Their rumor has it that Indiana Jones series that they were going to do is scrapped and that. And again, some of this is rumor. I'm cautioning with rumor, but that, but, and then also that like, you know, but the Willow TV series was recently canceled. So, I mean, that kind of tracks a little bit. Um, Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's, uh, he said something else that I don't even want to repeat because I don't want to fuel like the worst flames of the internet, but like, but, but um, I don't know. We'll see. So uh, odd time to be a Star Wars fan in some ways, for sure. 100%. One hundred percent. I'm interested to see what they announce at Celebration. It's 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 an interesting time. But also on on while we're talking about Stephen Knight, there's a story that hit uh, that he might be remaking the Alfred Hitchcock classic Vertigo, and uh, he's doing it with Robert Downey Jr.'s company, which has led people to believe that Robert Downey Jr. might be taking that role, that lead role that um, James Stewart had. Uh, yeah yeah this comes comes from deadline uh you know again i don't have a tie for steven to steven knight so i don't like either way but i will say that this is my favorite hitchcock movie and i uh even when i first saw it i was like wow they could remake this you know that that was like my uh, my thought i was like oh wow you could you could this is uh so contemporary do you know what i mean like it doesn't feel like even though it obviously it, it it feels like the 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 location and the and the suits and how people talk is dated but it, the story could just easily be timeless um and I, yeah I I, I, what are your th- thoughts this, this this one's tough this one's tough. i mean it i i don't want to take credit for this but chris evangelista our critic here our our top critic uh, uh here at slash film he shared a tweet that I very much agreed with that like not only is like vertigo remake like seem like a bit of a rough idea but like <laughs> if you're gonna have RDJ be in a Hitchcock remake like he seems better suited for something like rear window and I agree with that like I I don't know that look Hitchcock is I'm not saying you can't remake a Hitchcock movie I'm saying that it, it's it's kind of a fool's errand to try yeah. but like vertigo well, well, has mean- topped but Vertigo has topped a ton of those best of all time lists. Like this is one of those like best of all time movies. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it is, Oh boy, boy. I don't know. I mean, in, in a career of good and great performances, this might be the Jimmy Stewart performance. Like, I, I don't know. I, I yeah. it's not my favorite Hitchcock movie, but it's the, <laughs> but it's one that I look at and I'm like, I think you could remake I think you could remake North by Northwest before you could remake this. You know what I mean? It does. It, I'm not saying you should yeah. or would, but I'm saying that like this one seems oof, that that's a tall order. Oh, I don't think you should remake any of the Hitch, Hitchcock movies, but Devil's Advocate, you know, Hitchcock himself even remade his own movie, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much. And, you know, there's just been countless remakes. There's uh, the famous one is uh, the Gus Van Saint psycho remake where he did it shot by shot it's like literally, what's that's the weirdest thing it's a weird thing to watch especially because <laughs> psycho is my favorite hitchcock movie uh, but like but yeah i mean what a weird thing to do and and again vertigo is one of those ones where it's like how the hell do you improve on yeah. i don't know it's a weird it's a weird i mean i love robert Downey jr and i'm hoping he starts getting in front of the camera more but like i i don't know i don't know i i th- this one's weird and i and i hope it kind of doesn't actually progress 
Yeah, as much as I said earlier that I I think Vertigo could easily be remade, it's uh, such a, a contemporary story. I I don't think it needs to be remade, and uh, I also don't uh, you know maybe I need to see more of Stephen Knight's stuff because it seems like uh, he's showing up all over the headlines these days. So I I should probably know more about him. I've only seen Locked, so um, but yeah. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Okay, uh, we're back. Uh, Ryan, have you seen John Wick 4? Hell yeah, I have. Uh, uh, Non-spoiler reaction, what, what did you think? Uh, so is, uh, we'll we'll talk about this in a second. The movie is pretty long, uh, yeah. cl- close to three hours. Um, I I would wager you could cut a little bit of that out, but it is astonishing how not bored you end up being for most of that movie, and like it is relentless action. Uh, there there is a uh, there is an action sequence that goes on for a downright blistering amount of time in that movie. Uh, it, it, it's really good. Um, it's really, really good. It's not my favorite John Wick movie, but it is, holy crap. It is a, it, it puts a lot of modern action to shame. It's, uh, it's, it's really good. I, I remember I saw a post from uh, Dave Chen, who, who hosts the film cast, and I obviously used to be part of Slash I'll, I'll actually read it here. He says, me for the first one hour and 45 minutes of John Wick 4, quote, I guess there are a couple cool action scenes and some great visuals, but so far this is pretty on par with the other movies. Oh, well. Me for the final hour. This is the hard-boiled of our generation. The Mad Max Fury Road of shooter action movies. A ballet ballet of uh, violence with no equal. I will get down and kiss on the ground of which the creators of this franchise stood so that I may absorb its blessings. So say we all. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Um, it there, there it really is. I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't want to give anything. But the last like hour of this movie, yeah. give or take, is just like blistering action. Like it is crazy, even by John Wick standards. So um, yeah. maybe even was... a bit much. I don't know, but like it's it's really entertaining. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. You said it's like three hours long, but originally it was going to be f- four hours long. Not quite. So, so there. So, look. As we know, a lot of times, Peter, you'll know this. Any time a director turns in like a first cut of a movie, it tends to be yeah. much, much, much longer than than what gets released. But, but uh, Chad Stahelski, the director of the films, uh, talked, uh, and his editor Nathan Orloff recently talked to IndieWire, and they talked about the first cut, and he said, to be really honest with you, zero was planned out. Our first cut was three hours and forty five minutes, and it felt like three hours and forty five minutes. We were like. Uh, we're so screwed basically saying like, Oh no, this is actually like, we kind of, you know, so they, they, they were a little worried about how we're going to do this. So they just, you know, it was that a long process of compression and this and that. What I found interesting though, is, uh, uh, Stahelski had this to say, he said, my editorial staff probably hates me because even if we just took 30 seconds out of something, I'd make, I'd make everybody watch the whole movie again. That's the only way, you know, if you have the right pace, uh, you feel that bump in movies all the time because you were doing it in pieces and not seeing it as a whole. The last thing you want is to treat it as a bunch of parts. So it sounds like they went through an agonizing process to get it down to, to what it is. Um, 
yeah, I also, they originally, you know, before COVID became what it was, the original plan was to shoot John Wick 4 and 5 back to back. And I'm not the only one that has stated this, but I kind of believe that the, what ended up happening is that they just folded the stories for both of those into one. And that's how we ended up with kind of this hulking, you know, oh, John okay. Wick 4. That's my get that. Look, that's, that has not been confirmed. That's just yeah. me speculating a little bit about how we ended up where we ended up. And uh, the movie, you know, came out last night. You know, it is Friday morning, but it's already setting records, which I know we usually talk about box office on Monday, but we should mention this, that I uh, had set a new franchise record with $8.9 million Thursday night box office. Yeah, so that's really good preview numbers, particularly for a movie that long. And we're looking at uh, industry projections had been around 70 million opening, which would have been by far the best. Uh, John Wick 3 was 54 million, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, the, the the preview numbers indicate it could go actually closer to 80 million. So we'll see. The only thing I don't like is that uh, the first three John Wick movies were like mid-budget miracles of movies. This one, the budget ballooned to 100 million. So I, I'm like, I kind of wish that wasn't the case. But given where the box office tracking is at, it's still going to do, it should do just fine. Um, but, you know, I think that... Uh, that you're getting to the point where the budgets are just getting astronomical and, and that kind of gets away from the whole point of this series. So, but, but yeah, that it's looking like it's going to be a big hit. Yeah. Okay. We have one last story to talk about today and it's a doozy. We, we actually have a lot of news to talk about today. There's a lot of, yeah, lot man, of stuff going oh, on. man, this, 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 this has been a thing this week. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's this report that came from the rap that uh, this is involving Black Adam and Dwayne Johnson. Uh, I'll read uh, the, the headline. What was the headline? The headline was, I'm going to read the rap's original headline just to get accurate. How Dwayne Johnson kneecapped Black Adam and Shazam 2 while trying to take over DC was the headline of the story. This comes from the rap. So basically, uh, Dwayne Johnson's focus has been on establishing this battle between Black Adam and Superman. And basically that went a long way of kneecapping Shazam Fury of the God. So this article cites a high level, some high level Hollywood insiders. Uh, the report claims that this attempt to shoehorn the Man of Steel into Black Adam came at the expense of a planned post-credit scene where Zachary Levi's Shazam would have been recruited to the Justice Society of America. That scene was designed to be to build this anticipation. Uh, for the Shazam sequel, Fury of the Gods. But according to the latest report, it was nixed in favor of uh, Henry Cavill's appearance. And shortly before James Gunn announced that Cavill would not be returning as Superman anytime soon. So, uh, so some of the claims in the article are kind of damning uh, with one, quote, high-ranking Hollywood executive quoted as saying, quote, Dwayne tries to sell him sell his tries to sell himself as bigger than the movie. He's one of the few people who always thinks he's the most important person in any situation or room. And basically this comes down to the desire of like, uh, you know, uh, the rock didn't think, uh, even though Shaz uh, black Adam is in uh, Shazam are uh, adversaries in the comics. Like, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson thought he, he wanted to go for bigger. Uh, what do you make out of all this, Ryan? I have said I for up until about 2022 or early 2022, 
I had said that like the rock is nothing if not like a miracle of a celebrity and that like, he's been famous for so long and nobody had any dirt on him. Everyone just loved him. Nobody disliked him. He has gone so far out of his way with this black Adam crap to, to like really paint himself as a complete douche nozzle. And it really seems like it's, it's maybe even worse than we realized. Like, and oh my God, Zachary Levi and everyone else trying to now like, oh, Zach Levi is just not doing himself any favors on social media. Like he's whining a lot. And like he recently had like everyone's been sharing this video that he posted that seems like really dramatic. And like, I don't know, it's just it's all just sort of like the drama surrounding all this is just going down in flames. And it's just boy, oh boy, like what a mess. What a mess. Like, I feel bad for Zach Levi. I feel really bad for David F. Sandberg. I feel bad for the Black Adam cast like Hawkman and, and Quintessa Swindell who were going to appear in that original post credit scene as the Justice Society. Like, I feel bad for so many people involved in this because it is such a train wreck. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, you talk to a lot of people doing this business. You talk to a lot of journalists who've interviewed people. You've talked to a lot of uh, stars and filmmakers and screenwriters that have had interactions with people like Dwayne Johnson. And I've never until this year heard anything, <laughs> any bad. Uh, it, it's all been glowing for, for Dwayne Johnson. But it seems like, uh, what was it, a couple years ago, was it Skyscraper? There were some bad reviews. Was it Skyscraper or was it Rampage? That was like badly reviewed, and then Dwayne Johnson like had like a Twitter rant or something about. I critics. think it was. I think Skyscraper was the one because Skyscraper underperformed relative to expectations. And for the record, I like Skyscraper quite a bit, but like, yeah. But um, but uh, yeah, I think that was that that one underperformed a bit. That was also a good example of Dwayne Johnson, though. Like, like not initially playing like your typical hero. Like if I remember correctly, his character had like a, like a prosthetic leg or something. And like he, you know, so I don't know. It was a good, I don't know, man. Ugh, it's just, it's so, I, 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 oh, I can't, I can't talk about that. Never mind. Um, there, there's a, but yeah, this is a, this is a, it's a wild situation. And uh, I think more than anything, it, well, I think what's craziest about it too, is that black Adam ended up underperforming so badly, like for all of this, you know, mess and craziness just to get to a place where Black Adam underperforms and, and loses DC a bunch of money. And then I think what sucks is in like the new DCU that James Gunn and Peter Safran are trying to put together, Black Adam and Shazam are two characters you could potentially utilize very well if you're trying to like reboot a universe. And then now like they have no chance at that. They have to like wait for a long time probably to like, you know, to recast these characters or do anything with these characters again. So, so that's pretty crappy and and i think you know that that part of it sucks too and i i don't envy james gunn right now that is the gotta be the hardest job in hollywood yeah. um the, the one thing i do want to say about this and the whole allegation that uh dwayne johnson torpedoed shazam and black adam is i don't think if dwayne johnson allowed the shazam cameo and black adam that that would have helped shazam in any meaningful way <laughs> No, I don't know that, but I do think that there that he definitely helped with a narrative that 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 ended up not helping either movie for sure. Yes, um, I agree. And and I think that like he made Shazam seem a little unimportant, and I think that he very much furthered that narrative a bit. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that like he certainly didn't help anything. 
Like, I think that all of his meddling and all of his ego hurt two movies instead of maybe helping, you know, this little corner of the DCU that he maybe could have helped. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it uh, it was like that original idea for the Suicide Squad sequel where, like, they were going to get sent to, like, you know, defuse a weapon of mass destruction and it would have you would have come to discover that Black Adam was that weapon of mass destruction. And I think you actually see shades of that in the, in the Black Adam script as it was, as we saw it. But, uh, but I always liked that idea. But again, I'm thinking Dwayne Johnson was probably like, I don't want to play second fiddle in a, you know, suicide squad movie, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but here's he a question won't... for you is like, is he to blame for looking out for himself? looking into his best interests and trying to but do was the best that what he's his... doing i questioned if that's what he was doing was he doing that was he really doing that was he really looking out for his best interests like because i don't know that that's what he was doing i think he was i think he was like it was weird for him to think i can pivot the whole dc universe around a villain that I, that is only important because i'm playing him yeah. no disrespect to black adam as a character but like he is not an a-list character you should Agreed. not pivot the whole DC universe around him. <laughs> like, you know, so, so I think, no, I think it's hard for me to, to position that as I looking out for my best interests. I, I don't think that that's the case. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we've reached the end of today's slash home daily. You can find more of all of our work at slash home.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And please head on over to our Apple podcast page. Give us a rating. Give it, write us a review. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Monday.